Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Soft Coaching Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott. And I'm your other host, Mark. In each episode, Mark and I will discuss the key topics that impact on football coaching in the foundation and youth development phases. We will share our thoughts, ideas and experiences and whenever possible include guests so we can get their insights and opinions too. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello Mark, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good, not too bad at all. We've uh, we found another location to do the podcast. Yes, on location, <laughs> watching our sons play football right, right. in the car. Yeah. And right. it's raining outside. It's raining outside, so we look yeah. like a couple of weirdos sitting in a car with a car steamed up yes. with microphones. And I've got a microphone in my hand. I feel like a reporter today. So, all right. Uh, it's all it, new experience, so it's, it's good, new. right? And you played last night as well. And I played 90 minutes last night. Did you get the whole 90? Yeah. Well, so they had not, no subs it, in. They had no. <laughs> well, one sub. Two people went off injured, so we ended with 10 players. All right. I wanted to come off after about 60 minutes, but um, <laughs> didn't get the choice. Two people beat me to it, so I had to stay on the pitch. Were you left back or uh, left back? Yeah. I so like, you kept the clean sheet, then, was, I assume. Uh, not quite. No, <laughs> we conceded a few goals. Put it that way. <laughs> Um, I, th- I like to think I was more wing back in the first half and then uh, very left back in the second <laughs> half. To be honest, good man. Good like, I'll, I'll spare I'll spare you the scoreline. Yes, um, but do. I'm sure the effort was there. Oh, yeah, I was the hardest working player. <laughs> good man, excellent. All right, so uh, just me and you. Yes, which is quite nice. For kind a change, of nice. Yeah. Kind of nice. All right. Well, we've had at some least I turned up this week, right? Yeah, we're late, but yeah, 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 late. Yeah. We've um, we've had some cracking guests on. Um, yep. And obviously we've covered things that are of relevant to, to their specialisms and what they do, which is important. Yes. And I think we've all learnt loads and had some great feedback from the episodes. Louis yeah. Melville's Futsal one, Paul Barry, the Arsenal one has gone down really, really well. So we thought we'd be a bit selfish and just do me and you for an episode. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I think, I must say, just one comment. I, I think what's been nice is the variety of guests we've had on. Not just the different, um, I guess, remits or areas of speciality, but also... They all come across different as well, don't they? And I think it's yeah. just you kind of learn a lot from each one as you're going going along. Definitely, and that was part of the idea, wasn't it? To try and get um, like different guests on. I think if you think about also with um, Phil Beadle and the, yes. the behaviour one and stuff. So yeah we're, yeah, we're trying to do different things, and I know not everything works for everybody, but um, hopefully some people are getting some stuff out of it. Yeah, until this one. Until this one. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say now. I think this one could be parking the guests ones. Obviously, especially in their own right. This could be our most important one yes i honestly yes, do agree, yeah. arguably it could be a little bit negative but we're going to make it a positive one yep but i think it's one of those things where actually if we can shine a spotlight on this on these particular key areas then it could have a massive impact on um the experience that the coaches have the parents get and players get yeah i agree yeah yeah right. you obviously think this is a good one because it was your idea well there's that as well <laughs> but no i agree and i think it's worth saying this is going to be one of two right so we're going to do this one and then we're going to do a follow-up one, which I guess would be a little bit more positive, maybe. Yeah, that's the plan, right? And that's going yeah. to be on you to get some ideas around this one. So yes. so a bit of background. So I'm sure people that work in grassroots football can understand some of the not-so-positive things that occur. Yeah, we, it happens probably every single club, even the best intentions clubs, you know, I think you get some of these things. Okay, so by way of example, the kind of things that you might see, over-keen coaches, aggressively shouting from the touchlines, joystick coaching, so a lot of instructions, Yes. On the touch lines. When to shoot. Yep. Shoot. When to pass. pass. Yep. yep. Um, Tackle. Coaches maybe uh, limiting players with regards to what they think the capabilities are. So, you yep. know, so you're a defender, you're a front player, you're a wide player, you're a goalkeeper, you know, and that's what you can do. So therefore lack of rotation. Yeah. You know, possibly not equal playing time, particularly, you know, you know, in the foundation phase. 
an unwillingness to actually learn new things, maybe poor communication with parents and players, uh, maybe parents a bit over keen. So all these things that we get at all the clubs, right? Yeah. And, you know, this isn't about pointing fingers and blaming stuff. It's just about saying, okay, so we've got these symptoms, if you like. Yep. What's the root cause? Because if we can understand the root cause, then we can think, can we do anything about it to help? Because ultimately, we've banged on a lot over the 20-odd episodes that we've done about the importance of the environment. And I think we've been quite positive in some of the ideas we've suggested around general stuff. But what we've never really done is say, okay, let's look at the things that maybe are barriers to this. Does that make sense so far, do you yes. think? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you can list out all the symptoms. And I think these things we've listed now are symptoms. But what's the root cause? Yeah. Now, there may be other things that we've missed. But having thought about it over the last maybe two or three weeks, I kind of got to the conclusion that I can think of maybe four barriers, if you like, to having a development culture. Yep. And most of these things that we see that are the negative side of, of foundation phase and grassroots football, I think would come from one or one of these four things. It may come in, into more than one of the four, but it comes into at least one of the four things. Yes. Yeah. Is it worth just clarifying what we mean by a development culture? In case we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> just, in case, just in case we don't know what we're talking about. Um, so for me, a development culture is you put the boys or girls first, um, the players are first. Um, you create a culture where they're not afraid to make mistakes, they have fun, they enjoy themselves, they have the opportunity to play lots of different positions, um, they have lots of time on the ball, all those kind of things that we, we've spoken about a lot over the last 10 months, 9 months, I guess, <laughs> and beyond, just the two of us. Of them, but we spoke about it a lot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You're right, Mark, and, and that's true, but also I want to be a bit clear on this, because is it danger it can sound a bit fluffy? Right, and it's all about participation and just let the kids have fun. Yeah. Which there is that, although the participation thing I think is up for debate. That depends on your philosophy as a club. I think it hasn't got me about participation necessarily. If you want to kind of market yourself to a particular type of player at a particular level, then that's entirely I think fair enough to do. If that's as long as you're spelling it out there and not trying to be something that you're not. Yeah. But I think with development, what you're saying is actually we'll make decisions that put the developmental interests of our players beyond other stuff. Usually yeah. that other stuff first is results, usually. Yep. But there's other things as well that get in the way of that. It's not just yeah. results. That he's saying, actually, we will make decisions that's in the best interest of the development of the players that we've got within this club. Yes. Yeah, fundamentally, isn't it? Yeah. And this, you go, okay, if, you, if that's your starter for 10, well, okay, that's great. So there's things you can do around that. And the, the positive stuff, we will try and not get too hook, hook up on that, because that would be what we'll do in, the, in part yeah. two of this. Yeah. But so, okay, if that's what you want to do as a, as a club, um, and that's your, your philosophical approach, you're going to make decisions that have development first why what's getting in the way of that why do i go to your club then and i see coaches shouting instructions which isn't development first why yeah. do i go to the club yeah. and i see parents that are, are saying that you know my players uh, a front player and should be up front scoring goals all the time yeah why do we go to clubs and it's actually you know you don't do things like you don't share ideas and coaches are spending a lot of time telling players what to do rather than allowing players to explore for themselves yes these kind of things yeah makes sense yeah and i think it's worth adding that a development culture is, I, I think it's very difficult to embed that at a club across all age groups, all coaches. So you could have, you could have age groups from under five up to under under 18. You could have two or three teams per age group. That's a lot of coaches, right, that have to buy into your um, culture. So there's a lot of work that you have to put in to kind of get there as a club. Um, and I, I think from, from even our club, you know, when I say even our club, I think our club is, is nowhere near being there. There's definitely age groups that are very good. And I think there's age groups that, that have got a lot of kind of work to be done. Yeah, I totally agree. 
but you've got to start somewhere. You do. And I think there's a danger that people say, right, and we've done this a little bit at the club. So, right, we want to have offer a better player experience, have be more development focused. So let's do all the good things to make that happen. Yeah. But what if unless you start, unless you brave enough to say, you know, well, okay, let's look at the barriers too. Because if we can d- dial down some of the barriers and turn up some of the good stuff, we've got more chance of success. If you yeah. just focus on the good stuff, I don't know how quickly you'll get there. Because yeah. unfortunately, some of these barriers are pretty big. And to be fair, some of these barriers, and we'll discuss it in a bit, it, it's about un- the people just aren't aware. Yeah. So it's, it's happening unconsciously. Yeah. So until you put a spotlight on it in the most positive way possible, you probably won't get past some of the good, good stuff into place anyway because the barriers are going to be too strong to overcome. Yeah. You might have 20-odd years of bad practice yeah. you know, or just mindset that needs to be shifted. Yeah. Just to be perfectly clear, it's not a finger-pointing exercise because I can categorically say that out of the four things we're going to cover, I've been guilty of all of them to various degrees in the past and still am. Yeah. But actually, by being a bit more aware of them, I've got a bit better at managing them. Not yeah. perfect by any stretch, but certainly a bit better. Yes. Yes. Agree. Yes. Agree yeah. with that. Yeah, do definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do we the, spill the beans on the four things straight yeah, away I, and then look at them one by one? I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. Let's take one one at a time. One at a time. Yeah. Oh, let's do one at a time. Tease yeah, them out. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. That means people listen to, listen to the podcast they will? to yeah, the let's end. See how far you get? See how far you can get through? All right. So, do you want to pick one start or? So, I think the first one. Okay, I'll do. It. Yeah. So, I think the first one that we had was it is education. So, I think lack of lack or lack of education, or you could. I think you can think about it another way. Is I guess lack of experience as well. I think it comes under the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, I must say I like. I do kind of look back at the time when we first started coaching and we were coaching together. I do kind of cringe a little bit remembering the kind of under sixes and the way we used to have them in queues and uh, we'd done all, all sorts of games. We were very nice with them and do you know what I mean? It was just, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't the right environment or the right kind of, uh, we didn't do the right kind of training sessions with, with, the, with the boys at the time. But I think education experience is a big one. I do actually think there's no excuse for it nowadays i think that experience i get that you could be a new coach you can you you, you definitely over the years you can have develop how you how you can deal with situations and you can put on different sessions but i think the basic education there's so much out there's so many good books out there there's so much online that there's not much of an excuse nowadays that's that's my my kind of personal view um i think if you if you sign up to be a coach of a of either a boy or boys or a girls team i think you take that responsibility on right and and you take it on to deliver a good session and create a good environment for them a little bit of a rant there but that's that's my that's my view and i think it's a bit education's a big one which which can hold back creating a development culture so i totally agree with all of that i do think actually sometimes there's almost too much stuff to find and it's yeah. knowing what to find yeah. because if you go back to what we were doing initially i mean literally i spent like hours looking through drills and stuff yeah. thinking that was the right thing to do yes, yes. and you were actually better off not doing that and actually thinking about the environment you're creating and building building practices around the players that you've got that are going to be fun and engaging yeah. but you learn that with time definitely so just a, a little definition so we're on the same page with this so lack of knowledge what i thought this was it's where you don't have the sufficient understanding or experience in a particular subject or fundamental area. And in our case, it will be three things, coaching, children, and football. Yep. So that's how I see it. Now, to be fair, what I do think is actually sometimes people go, especially coaches and who get on parents get involved in this, I know football, I can coach, but actually you might know football because you played it a little bit, but that's different to coaching. You might yeah. know coaching. Yeah. And one thing that I see a lot, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I see a lot is 
people don't know children. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. might know their own kids, but even that's a work in progress, right? As a parent, I can tell you now, it's a learning yeah. experience every single day, and yeah. I get it wrong more than I get it right. Yeah, but you know, especially other people's kids. So you may know football, but do you really know how coaching works? Yeah, uh, do you know how children work? And you might say, do you know what? I recognise I'm pretty good with the football stuff. Actually, I'm going to work on my coach. I'll do my coaching badges, or I read some books. But what very few people do is look at the children part. Yeah. And I'd argue that's the most important part. Yes. If anything I've learned over the last five years, it's, yeah, you know your football, get your better coaching, but if you want to really work with kids, understand how kids work. Yeah, definitely. Child development, what's that all about? Because that will that because that'll help you then be able to qualify your decisions, some of the things you decide to do, how you react, how you communicate, your expectations, mm. and all mm. those things. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, and I think you almost need to get on their level, right? It's, it's that empathy, isn't it? it is, yeah, to yeah. Exactly. yeah, definitely. And in, and even li- we've said it in the past. Even little things like when they arrive to the to the training session, giving them high fives, make make a big thing, announce that they're a name they're arriving, or a nickname, or something like that. Yeah. It's it's getting on that. It's it's getting on that level and and well, then understanding. You can build the rapport, can't you? And exactly. that, it's that thing about players don't care how much you know to know how much you care, right? Yeah. And so. Again, it's, a, it's that development focus and that child-centered thing yep. that comes through first. And the football and the coaching is almost second to yes. that. You have to get that bit right first. And just another point I was going to make then was, so the lack of knowledge, obviously it can be compounded if you're unaware or unwilling to recognize you have a lack of un- or understanding. I think that's the problem we face sometimes. People don't yeah, want to know they sure. haven't got yeah. that. When me and you started, I think to be fair to us, however bad we were, and we were bad, let's be honest about it. I mean, I was bad, but you were shocking. I think I knew it. And I, when I say I was bad, I wasn't bad. I just knew what we were doing wasn't right. Yeah, wasn't the it best. Didn't feel right. Yeah, just, it wasn't yeah, actually that yeah. bad. The kids were safe. They loved it. I mean, I tell you, no one, everyone came with me. I mean, but there's bad and there's not doing things right. Yeah, we weren't exactly. bad. We just weren't doing things the best we could have done it. Definitely. But I think the important thing for us is, and I would take. I think we can take some credit in this. We recognise that and spent the next five years trying to get better. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that, and, that's and still do, thing. right? And, still and, do. And, and, but the last thing I want to say about lack of knowledge, this is maybe the biggest thing, and this is the bit that I probably personally get more frustrated with, is sometimes this lack of knowledge can run throughout a team or a year group and coaches, parents and players are all unaware of the problem. Yeah. You know, so you kind of see and you think, well, they all think it's fine, actually. The coach is doing a cracking job. That way he's got those players lined up and behaviour's really, you know, they're almost mucking around all the ball, all the cones are neat and the players are in neat lines. They're doing yeah. one-twos off the coaches and hitting top corners. You know, it's all perfectly run. You know, Freddie's a back player, so he's going to play in defence. I'm okay with that. You know, they, they, they don't know themselves. And it's almost like a shared ignorance, which can make it, it can be an even bigger problem to overcome if you're trying to make changes to more than just yourself and your team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's to me that's one of the the big big signs, right? If you turn up to a, a coaching session, or if you've sent your son or daughter to a coaching session, and you turn up and it just looks immaculate, everything. There's loads of cones out. They're doing little passes. No one's missing them. They do you know what I mean? It looks it's amazing. Too tidy. It's too, it's too tidy. No exactly. When does the game ever look that tidy? In a exactly, match? and I think that's the big sign, right? If you if you see that. Well, some of the things I highlighted is, okay, what does this look like then if you were to see this? How do you know if there's a lack of knowledge going on? And see what you think, Mark. You yep. might have other things that you think yep. are, are more important than this. But I think you see disengaged players. Yeah. There's a lack of, because what because obviously coaches, or not obviously, but often that means coaches don't know how to kind of put on an environment or a session that's going to really engage them. Yeah. This is exclusive. This is, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying this is guaranteed every single time, but you see poor relationships. Now that could be with the players, with the co- with the other coaches, with the parents, quite maybe not always there. Yeah. You see often dated training practices. So quite yes. a, quite a, a dated yeah. way of approaching training. Yeah. yeah. Dated match day actions, poor development focus. It's often, yeah. it's often looking more on short term results. 
communication is obviously an issue. It's obviously it can oft, often be more coach centered. Yeah, and I think you see one of the signs that we see is lots of external recruitment. They want to you want to fix the problem by going outside of what you've got rather than focusing on what you've got and trying yeah. to improve it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and if you yeah. look at us and we did, we can be too soft. You get the level yeah. wrong of how you're pitching your training sessions. You know, you're not preparing the the players for what the real game looks like. So what you do doesn't transfer. Yeah, and uh, it's back to the point you were making really about doing the stuff that's most relevant to matches and, yeah. and development rather than doing the things that you think it should look like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what it would look like for me, I think, if you see someone that hasn't got a, lack, a, a real understanding of, you know, the coaching and, and engaging the children. I think the interesting thing is what you what you kind of spoke about, the coaching, the children, the football. You could have one of those and you could have the children bit right um, and perhaps you haven't got the coaching bit right and you, maybe your knowledge of football's not quite there. But if you've got, maybe if you've got the children bit right, actually they may still have fun, right? They still may enjoy it. It may not be the most developmental kind of cultural environment for them, but they're still, they could still be enjoying it. So yeah. it's an interesting, I think you need all three to, to kind of get that, that right development culture, but you could have one. But if you were to rank them in priority, what would you say was one, two and three, one being most, second and then third? I think for me, the children piece is, is critical. I think you, I think even if you're a great coach and you know a lot about football, if you don't engage with the with the kids, then I think it's a, it's a struggle. I yep. feel a struggle, to be yeah. honest. And second? Um, uh, I would go coaching. And football third. And football third, totally yeah. Agree. Mark, yeah. as an example, I wasn't thinking about this until you just mentioned it, but last night we had the indoor training session and for the first half of the session, we played on crash mats and dodgeball. Yeah. There was no football involved in it. Yeah. I mean, the boys never complained in it, man. They loved it. They didn't yeah. like, but that's my yeah. point. It's like, I've learned, actually, you know what? So that's all about the child. Yeah. It was fun. It was there. We I set the games up and they kind of just played it. So it wasn't completely their game, their, their practice. They're still young, but get, you know, they gave much ownership as I could have for the thing, but they played a couple of games. It wasn't, no one mentioned football. They just yeah. wanted to play the right. thing. Yeah, so, exactly. But that's what I would never have done that five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the other thing on this, just one one final point is, I think the coach would be very much win at all costs. That's what he would think that the the players would want. That's what he would think the parents would want and the club would want. So they'd be he, he or she, I should say, would be very very focused on winning at all costs. Often Probably comes hand in hand, doesn't it? Play the strongest players, no rotation, all the all the usual kind of things. I think that's what you would find. Yeah. So what we'll do at the end is we'll, we'll go through the four and then we'll come to some couple of ideas about how we might adjust some of this stuff. Yeah. But the point yep. is, if we reckon, if we recognise a lack of knowledge is a problem in getting a development culture, then that's fine. Then we think about that and we deal with it. Yep. And you, then you'll think about the people that actually recognise that and we can support in different ways or those that don't recognise it and might have a different approach to those. But yep. I think lack of knowledge has got to be one of the, of the four main ones. Definitely. All right. What should we go for second? You choose. All right. I'm going to go then with ego. Okay. Is that all right? Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just looked at you and I thought ego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> What's your definition of ego? <laughs> Mark Edwards. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, not at all. So with ego, set you up there, right? Yeah. Well, you've got obviously you've got the I've got a picture of the Mourinho on my on my my little notes here. <laughs> but so it's your sense of self-esteem or self-importance, okay? Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with ego, but it's about how it's managed. So this, these are some of the ways in which it could be a negative thing. You believe you should get your own way over anything or anyone else yep. I see that quite a lot in some coaches keeps you out of touch with the reality so yep. you kind of, your ego gets in the way of kind of seeing things for what they are it can create unrealis- unrealistic expectations and entitlement yep. it can make you de- dependent on external validation so you kind of get hung up on uh, uh, you know, other people thinking you can think you know or have all the answers 
yep. which can be a big mistake. And you're more worried about what other people think than doing what's best. Yes. That's how ego can get in the way sometimes. That's not to say that having you know pride and having an ego, we've all got an ego, is not, it's not, it's, that's not a bad thing. It's just about not letting it become something that gets in the way of what we're trying to do with regards to the best experience for the players and development. Yeah, yeah. So some of the ways that I think this could show itself up would be things like there'd be a poor listener, might have limited interest in learning new stuff, probably got quite a fixed mindset. Yep. Often. Yeah. Um, focused again on results and trophies. It puts limitations on players. So straight away you see a player for what they can't do rather than what they can do or what they might be able to do. None or limited rotation. Why would you rotate players when you're playing in a stronger position? That's what you're yep. going to do. Limited club consideration. So they won't think about the bigger picture and stuff. It'll be about you know just what their own interests. Yeah. Sees the club as a resource. So it's what the club can do for them. Yeah. Um, and often believes the club can owes them a favour you know yeah. they're doing a favour for the club kind of thing so it's not you know they're not it's not their contribution to helping the kids it's that way around and, yeah. but these are some of the things I think that you could see yeah yeah yeah, yeah I agree and I think there's there's other things that I've, I've put down here I think I, I think probably maybe have an old fashioned approach yeah. as well um, outdated attitudes I think very much I agree with the fixed mindset piece um, it's all about the coach yeah. um, I think the full of their own kind of self importance rather than it being about the players again i've got win at all costs no rotation um perhaps a fixed goalkeeper even kind of a very young age we might you know put maybe the either the biggest boy or girl in goal or perhaps maybe the least uh technical boy or girl in goal um and leave them there for the whole game unless they're winning kind of 10 nil and they might get to come out for the last five minutes yeah if they're lucky so i think i totally agree you see this a lot there's no doubt about it you see it a lot we played teams this season where we've seen it. I think the other thing is, I I think also maybe, I, I kind of look at myself a little bit, sometimes I don't feel like I've got a big ego at all and I, I always feel like the, I put the players first. But I remember even last season, my kind of assistant manager would be suggesting something and I wouldn't really be taking it fully on board. Because you think you know better. Because I, think I, know, I yeah. think I knew better and, or yeah. know better and um, actually it kind of turned out that what they'd said made sense and we kind of change it around and we did what what they were suggesting. So I think it's not, sometimes it's not just about having a big ego. It's sometimes that you might put players first, but actually you're not open to other ideas from other coaches. I think that's the other thing because you think you know best. Mark, it's a good point. And this this is my point I said at the beginning about not being a blame thing. We've all got this. This isn't like actually, you know, what you're either good with the ego or you're bad. It's not black and yeah. white. Yeah. It's about actually, you know, there's moments when it gets out of control. And I think that's probably the same for all of us. Yeah. And and it's maybe a reflection when you realise that. I think some of these problems are a bigger problem when the person who's got the issue is unaware of it or not trying to manage it better, you know. So I think ego can be a big issue, especially in grassroots football, yeah. with coaches and parents and players yeah. who aren't aware of the kind of self-ego state, and yeah. therefore it's not being managed properly, you yeah. know, and it can it can run away with things. And it's important, also important to say some, these things will overlap. So let's say, like, your ego could come from a lack of knowledge, yeah. you know, so, you know, you, you, or, or the, it may impact on your, on your lack of knowledge because you're not prepared to go and learn something because you think you know it all. Exactly. So one thing affects another, you know. Yeah. Where actually, if we could dial down a bit on the ego to actually, do you know what, maybe I need, to, like you did with the assistant coaching, actually, you know what, on reflection, I should, probably should have listened. Yeah. And I would pretty much guarantee the next time you had a conversation with the assistant coach, you would have taken a board a bit more, or at least shown willing to listen and maybe put some of those things into practice because you've, you've reflected and learned from that. Yeah, definitely. It was about the fifth time he suggested something, to be honest with you. But... <laughs> it's probably about 100. <laughs> exactly. And it's all the last but no, time. definitely, I definitely did. I think the other thing, just coming back to what you, what you kind of mentioned earlier around the three points, I think we had coaching children and football. I think again, uh, this kind of person with this kind of big ego doesn't get on the same level 
as the players, as the children, right? And I yeah. think that so is they know it, a they don't need to, yeah. do they? And I think them. that's a really big issue. Yeah. They're going to treat the children as adults, yeah. as adult players, right? You, I think you can see it when, if you in communications with the coaches where maybe it, it's more about them, they'll use the word I a lot. Yes. And the one, the, the one of the phrases I really can't stand is when you hear a coach say, go and do it for me. Go and grab a goal for me. You know, yeah. they're, they're trying to say the right thing. They don't know it. They don't. It's yeah. not a deliberately, you know, kind of malicious or underhanding comment. They think they're doing. They think they're saying the right thing. But you know, you go, uh, go, go and go, go and get a goal for me. Go and show me how hard you can play. Go. Yeah. And show, it's not about you. You know, it's about your team. But those almost subliminal or subconscious messages that go out to the. The, the, the players yeah. it makes it about the coach yeah I agree, agree. And, it's, and it's hard and if you if you are that way wired it is hard to kind of undo that and dial it down but it, it, you'd have a much better experience with your players and better outcomes at the end if you could get control of that yeah yeah and again it, I think the other thing is coaches a lot of coaches would say I would like you to do this or yes can you do this for me kind of thing yeah that, that same kind yeah. of language right not about doing it for yourself. Challenge yeah. yourself. What do you want to do now? What yeah. do you want to get? How do you feel about that? Yeah. And, and it is, the words are so important and the actions, the body language, you know, throwing your arms up when things go wrong. It's not about you. It's about yeah. the players. Yeah. And if a player just scored a known goal or made a mistake for a goal, I can tell you, I promise you they'll feel worse than you will as the coach. Yeah. You know, and you don't, what they need is probably encouragement, a bit of advice and guidance on how to maybe not do things next yeah. time that way, you know, or, or, or not even that. They probably just need a moment to think about it and a, maybe a, a sensible question or two. But you make it about you and it's a dangerous thing to do. And I say this knowing that actually I think most coaches that maybe fit into this category a little bit, they'd have a much more enjoyable experience if they could just realise that and try and get a bit of control of it and dial it down. Yeah, I totally agree. And just on your point there about own goals, um, you scored an own goal last night. Uh, I didn't score an own <laughs> goal last night, actually, no. So I think with with thing with own goals and defensive errors, I think that's the other thing, and it's a little bit off the subject, but coaches focus on those things, right? You might have little Jimmy who's playing the first half up front and he's missed five or six chances, but he's got in great positions or he's worked worked an opening to have the shot, but he's, he's missed it. There's never any kind of um, negative... Um, feedback where there shouldn't be but there never is yeah. but as soon as someone makes a, 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 an error at the back maybe they made a great tackle and it's gone in for an own goal or the goalkeeper's going to let the ball under their foot or through their hands there's never it's always negative feedback straight away right Actually, that's a good point Mark do you think there's a correlation between some of this stuff maybe particularly the ego one to be fair and having a more defensive mindset in your approach to football thinking about what you said then the coaches that I think and even look at myself. I think when I when I had most more stuff not quite in control, was I more defensive minded? Was I focused on the the defensive and negative parts of the game rather than actually more think, forward thinking? Yeah, I don't. Do you know what? I think it. I think some of it comes down. If you've played football in the past, I think some of it comes down to your how you were coached when you were younger, and also the position that you played. So I was a kind of defender, and I always. My kind of first and foremost, I always think that I want a nice kind of yeah. tight defence. I don't know. I don't know that's why. That's coach them. It was always really defend first, wasn't it? It, was, yeah. it wasn't they'll score three, we'll score four kind of yeah. thing. It wasn't the Kevin Keegan Newcastle teams back then. It was. It was about. Yeah. It wasn't, was it? It was yeah. more old school. Keep, you know, try and grab a goal if you can, but let's keep the, let's keep the back door closed first. Would it be interesting to see the kids nowadays, right? When it's a little bit more freer and things like that, yeah. how they are in kind yeah. of twenty, thirty years time. Once they 
going to get into their coaching, whether they are very much more forward thinking. Because so. it's all about creativity and ball yeah. skills and ball players, especially at the elite, at the, at the higher level stuff. I mean, I know we get it wrong still in the grassroots game a lot, but I think in the academies, to be fair to them, whether you think of the environments and what they do, I think they are trying to develop, you know, individual flair players, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So you think that that probably would change, and you do even in football now. You see, I mean, even at City, you're conceding goals. I don't think it, don't, it's not they don't want it. clean sheets are still, I'm sure, sought after. Yes. I still think entertainment's a big thing in it and scoring goals, and it's what you do in the, in the attacking third. That's yeah, definitely. Gonna, it's not like the old seats. days of George Graham. At Arsenal. No, one nil. <laughs> I'll take those days though, right now. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but so that's we, two out, two of the four. Yeah, we better move on for two reasons. One, your car battery's going to die. <laughs> Yeah, Secondly, it's getting, it's getting yeah. dark out. Um, okay, so the third one, the market, yeah. is okay. I, I want to leave one to last. So can we do reverse dependency as Fine. the next one? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, this is a bit of a weird one, I understand. So we've, we've done lack of knowledge and ego. Now, to me, I think this is huge. It may well be one that affects us as parents mm -hmm. a bit more mm -hmm. than as coaches, but I don't think that's exclusive. But I would imagine that most coaches out there that listen are also parents and probably coaching their own kids as well as coaching someone yep, else. Yep. So reverse dependency. I'm not sure this is the official term or not, but I like the phrase, and I, I picked it up from something that I saw online. Um, but the definition would be something like this. So it's where adults over-identify with the child's experience and define their own self-worth based on the successes of the child or children. Yep. So it's kind of that living vicariously through your kids kind of thing, yeah. you know. If my boy goes out and has a smashing, a great game on Sunday and smashes three goals, and I go home buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he yeah. goes home and he's yeah. been poor, he's giving the ball away, always, you know, it's gone wrong. It's, yeah. It ruins my weekend. Yes. Okay. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think if we're honest about this, most of us are pretty much like that. But what yeah. we have to learn to do is get it under some control. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. yeah. Totally agree. If you can have. Premier League players that can have good and bad weeks and I'm sure my seven year old and my ten year old kids are allowed to have good or bad months. Yeah. You know, it yeah, doesn't agree. make a difference. But this reverse dependency, it's the activity may actually become more important to you than the child. Yeah. That's another thing there. So actually your kid's not that bothered. They want to go and play football and have a thing, but actually they won't swear about the game afterwards. Yeah. You know, they'll go and play it because they want to play it, but you'll be thinking about, you know, the the chance they missed or the tackle they didn't make or something, yeah. you yeah. know, it's crazy. Uh, you can have excessive interest rather than promoting your child's uh, participation. Yep. And that undermines their interest by taking away their ownership of the sport. Yep. Your children may develop the perception that the sport is no longer theirs. The focus is on you, your emotions, what the experience means to you and what you gain from it rather than them. Yep. And when your children have good competitions, you feel that you have succeeded. When your children have bad competitions, you feel that you have failed. Yeah. So these yeah. are kind of that reverse dependency things, and it's a massive thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And it yeah. can impact on coaches through parents, can't it? Yeah. Because if you've got a parent that's a bit over keen, yep. then that can impact on you too. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think even, like, I just think like with, with myself, even sometimes, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'm a lot better than I used to be, um, and I, I don't think it was ever that bad, but even now I kind of sometimes, I feel myself feeling a little disappointed, like if my son, one of my sons do, doesn't play to the kind of level I know they can play at, um, but then I, I, I'm, I'm able to control it and, and bring myself back in straight away. And I ask them, just focus on, did you work hard today? Um, did you have fun? What did you think you've done well? What can you do better? That kind of thing. So yeah. I'd kind of bring it, I, I rein it back in. Um, some experience, right, and learning. Yeah. So you kind of learn over time and you're probably better than you were at that than you were maybe three, four or five years ago. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's hard actually because I, for me, it's not about I want to live my life through them or I want um, if they if they play well, then it makes me feel good. For me, I just want them to be the best that they can be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I think that's why 
perhaps I have those feelings um, without getting too deep yeah. <laughs> on the matter. I think that's why I have those kind of feelings. I want them to be the best that they can possibly be. And I think you've said it in the past, not everyone can be the best, but you can be the best that you can be today. That's your challenge, isn't That's it? your challenge, yeah. And sometimes I think, and I think I'm more disappointed actually if my sons don't work the hard, don't work hard. Yeah. I think if they work hard and things don't work out or they're playing against better players, then it's fine. I can, I think I can live with that. But it's if they're not working hard, that's what, that's what I find hard to deal with. Definitely. But even then, and I think that's a more balanced approach to this. And like, it's like all the others. It's not an off-off thing. Yeah. On-off thing. It's going to be there. It's a. It's about the dial and maybe dying down from an eight or nine to like a two or a three. Yeah. So it doesn't become a, a a problem to you and your child or you and the team you're coaching. Yeah. I think the thing for me, I think the when I was kind of thinking about this actually, I think the the four things that I think the four things that I've kind of got here, I think one it drives bad behaviour in parents, and puts pressure on the child. I think that's that's a big one for me. I think the parent starts to give the child bad advice. Um, and that advice could be against the coach's guidance. I think they, they take the focus off of kind of things like working hard, having fun, doing your best, to scoring goals, can you create goals, that yeah. kind of thing. And I think it then starts to incentivize the wrong behaviour. And we've all seen it, right? Little Johnny scores three goals, gets a hat-trick, he gets £10 from his parents, yeah. right? Um, or he doesn't score this week. He doesn't get any money, and he's like he's desperate to score. And you can see it on the pitch, yeah. and the and the and the dad's on the touchline. You can hear him. He's desperate for him to score. So I think it just it just it just drives the wrong behaviour, and, and certainly all this incentivising um, the wrong behaviours. I think is 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 a big issue in 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 grassroots football. Totally agree. I, I had a list of stuff that you know to show kind of what it looks like in practice, and you've covered all of them off. So shouting instructions from the touchline is yep. a big one. Yeah. Rewards for outcomes. Yeah. So you know how you score four goals, I'll give you the match tax, whatever else, yep. the pounds. Yeah. You know, rather than actually you know rewards for working hard. But even then, I think that it should come from you want intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic motivation. You want the players to want to go and work hard. If they're enjoying what they do, they're going to work hard. If they're not going to yes. work hard, then they probably they might be in the wrong sport. Yeah. You know, or they're having a bad day. Let's yeah. be realistic. If yeah. they're just young, you know. Yeah. But it shouldn't have to come from a reward to want to go and do well and play football I mean the idea I mean I can't believe how much this went on when we had the younger group or the older group now but when they were younger rewarding for goal scoring yeah you know and we yeah. all did it I mean yeah. honestly we I did it with Michael I'm gonna say I w wasn't the first I was I think I was the last I mean cut it up pretty quickly but like why are we giving the kids money to score goals the, the one thing all kids want to do is score goals yeah, exactly. no, no one's not yeah. trying to score a goal yeah. you know why, why don't we work why don't we do the working hard and putting the effort in and you know can they you know more about what you know, can they create things or, you know, can they win tackles and do their stuff? Everyone wants to score the goals. Yeah. So it just seemed, it seemed weird. And I think, so they also have disproportionate highs and lows. So you get too carried away with the good games and yeah. too down with the bad games. That's a good one. Really good one. Yeah. And we do that as, I think, as coaches and as parents. Yeah. The adult focuses on the outcome rather than development. And this is the one I think as well, which I think comes up for reverse dependency, expressing opinions to others. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of think, oh, you know, because you, you, you're kind of over-involved in your kid's situation, you start talking to other parents about stuff and, you know, or if you get in a coach's case a little bit about things, yeah. then that happens, doesn't it? And yeah, you kind it of, that can quite easily become the bad apple in the group, can't it? When they've got that, because you know, the parent doesn't realise this. They're not doing it deliberately. They just care about their kid. Yeah. And I've got no issue with that. They just don't know how best to, to manage that. And they've, they've made it, so now it becomes more about them, it does about their kid, and then it has all those negative impacts with regards to criticising the coaches, money to other parents, you know, and then the whole experience just becomes a lot more negative. Yeah, I totally agree, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we've all been there with parents, right, and haven't had to... <laughs> 
yeah. had to deal with it. Because uh, they have a lack of knowledge hard. as well, with all respect, in some cases. They well, do. Uh, well, and not the... always, but sometimes they do, and it's like they don't understand things. And again, you know, as coaches, if you've got an egotistical coach and you've got a parent with a lack of knowledge of high reverse dependency, there's a recipe for disaster there, isn't there? And I, I reckon that's a quite common set of circumstances yeah, for in sure. lots of teams. Yeah. Well, I think, you, I think the coach... Um, or, or not uncommon, I should say. Maybe it's not very common. It's not uncommon, is it, to have that? Yes, I totally agree. I think the coach, I think that the, you learn behavior becomes an issue, right? Yeah. With, with big egos and a little bit of reverse dependency, but um, certainly with, with your ego. And I think with the last, and, and we're going to come on to the last one, but it, it comes into play there as well. Yeah, I just I just think like if you're going to incentivize your son or daughter to play football, which you shouldn't really need to do, but if you are, do it for th- things that, and A, are not going to go against the coach's wishes, yep. and B, something that they can own and make a difference. So things like um, hard work. The process the rather process. than the outcomes. Not exactly. how many goals, but you know, exactly. yeah, like, it's, it's hard to qualify that, isn't it? That's why people don't do it so much. You can get, you know, a goal's a goal, right? But actually how hard you worked you on the measure pitch. It, right? it's yeah, it's a harder measure. metric, isn't yeah. it? But, yeah, um, but, but you shouldn't need to. And I've never seen any extrinsic motivation that's benefited a player over the longer term. In no. fact, I found, I've seen lots that have been detrimental over the longer term. Yeah. It doesn't. It may have a little gain in that short term, but it takes something away from the longer term motivation. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so fourth one then, the final one. I think we say this one's last for a good reason. Yeah. So we've done, what was it? Lack of, lack of knowledge. Yep. Ego. Yep. Reverse dependency. And the fourth and final one from us would be frustration. Yes. Now, obviously, a coach that's aware of their lack of knowledge or a parent that's aware of their reverse uh, too much reverse dependency or you know or if you've got a high ego you're going to be frustrated for those as well but frustration can sit in its own place yeah. you can be a perfectly happy egotistical coach and not realize you yeah. can be perfect perfectly blissfully ignorant of the fact you don't know what you're talking about and not be a problem and you can have reverse dependency issues and not be aware of them one a little bit so yeah. you wouldn't be frustrated so frustration kind of sits in its own space i think and I've saved it for last because I'm going to say out of all four of these, this is definitely by far and away my biggest flaw <laughs> and something I'm working on. It is. And again, it's about a dial, you know, and it's like, well, actually, by shining a spotlight on it myself, I, I'm I'm trying to do more to manage it. Yeah. We've got a long way to go, but I'm trying. But until you kind of make yourself aware of the problem, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So awareness comes first. So. Just by way of a definition, frustration is an emotion that occurs in situations where a person feels the prevention of the progress, success, or fulfillment of an outcome has occurred. Yeah. Which I think is really good. Yeah. Typically, the greater the perceived importance of the outcome, the greater the potential frustration. These frustrations can be internal or external. So things I'm frustrated myself about stuff or can't get the goals up because the, you know something's broken or whatever else. So it can yeah. be an external thing. Some typical results of frustration include anger, yep. quitting and giving up, loss of self-esteem and self-confidence, and two serious ones, stress and depression. Yep. I mean, it can get quite heavy. Yep. And there's a correlation, again, between coaching and depression. It's funny. And not that coaching, I think, causes depression, but a lot of people get into coaching to help others because they've had the bad experience themselves. Yep. So I think it's important to be aware of that. And finally, because I think this is a good one, to help manage frustration, it's important to learn to distinguish between what you hope will happen what will probably happen and what will actually happen. And yeah. I love this because this is this is me here. The reality is when I get frustrated, I, I've got it wrong. I, what, I, what I hoped hap- was going to happen was never likely going to happen anyway. It yeah, wasn't yeah. even probable. Yeah, yeah. And what actually happened, I should be aware of. And it comes with experience. So you yeah. kind of get better at that stuff. But I'm st- I still kid myself too many times that what I hope will happen is going to happen and it doesn't. And I get frustrated, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. It is, it is, it is a very good one. And, and some of the things that I've kind of, Quite started to 
think about is I think with frustrated coaches, um, their outbursts they have a lot of outbursts they can which can negatively impact the boys and girls that that play for play for them. Um, could put extra pressure on them. Um, could make them upset. All sorts depending on on their character. Um, obviously there's a kind of a, a little bit of lack of control. It could also be driven, perhaps maybe there and and maybe linked to a bit of reverse dependency. Maybe their son or daughter's not playing well, and as a result, they get frustrated, and then they take it out on the rest of the players in the team. So you've got two that issues there. You've got two yeah. dial downs that have yeah. been cranked up. So you've got the one about reverse dependency, and then that Noxon's approach has got poor frustration management skills. Yeah. So that what happens then? That's when you get the bigger problems, right? Yeah, then you exactly, get the volcanoes. Yeah. yeah, and I think also the ego one. I think it's linked a little bit to ego as well. Sometimes, perhaps you have a coach that is full of their own self-importance. For them, it's all about winning. And when things are not going the way they think it should do, they get very kind of frustrated or they're not yeah. winning. And I think that, that them two can, you've got a bit of a link there it's as well. Over. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, Mark, because I think all these can stand on their own. So you, yep. you could be pretty good at three out of the four and have a high one, one of those four options. What is probably more common and potentially a bigger problem is when you've got maybe two, three or four of these things all dialed up a little bit too yeah. high. So yep. you've got a bit of an ego and you've got a bit of reverse dependency and you know you get frustrated quite quickly and you've got a bit of a knowledge gap somewhere that you're not aware of, that's when you get your problem situations, right? And yeah, that can be as definitely. a coach, as yep. a parent, or as a player. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think the worst thing is it spills, it impacts your team um, or that coach's team, and, and that's their team, that's bad enough, but it then starts to impact the team that they're playing as well yeah. and the coaches that, that are involved with that other team. Yeah. And, and we've seen it, right? And, yeah, 100%. And sometimes like, there's been things going on and... and the boys in our team are kind of looking at the opposition coach because they're shouting so much or they are doing something, behaving the way they shouldn't be. Yeah. And it kind of starts influencing your yeah. players. And I think that's the point where you kind of got to draw a line in the sand and say, right, it's too much it's now. It's too much now, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you covered the, the things I had written down really about what it looks like in practice and I had negative shouting. I think you see that with frustration. So you kind of shout the wrong stuff. I, I, I Actually, I, don't, I think shouting is not such a bad thing if you shout the right stuff, but certainly yeah. negative shouting. A lot of player criticism. Yeah. You know, it, it might not be direct to can often be direct, but it might just be kind of suggested. Yeah. Negative body language. Yeah. Arguing. Just on the body goal language, quickly, that's the, the old classic goal goes in, they've got the hands on the head. It's like, oh, uh, no. Yeah, exactly. On? Yeah. And he's seen it. And that transcends the whole team, doesn't yeah, it? It does. Well, yeah. Like, come on, boys, yeah. let's go again. Yeah. Don't worry. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll learn from that. We'll move on. Uh, arguing, you know, and I, I mean, worst case scenario here, you see two coaches who get frustrated on the touchline and it can kick off, can't it? Yeah. You know, and it, it happens way too much. It's ridiculous, it does. but it, it does. does happen. Yeah. Poor communication. So, yeah. again, it comes down to too frustrated. So, you can't, and I'm guilty of this. As soon as I get frustrated, my communication goes through the floor. You know, I don't yeah. say what I want to say in the right way. It all comes out wrong. It just kind of, I lose, you know, that moment. You, you know, the fight or flight monster takes over and you start yeah. just talking nonsense, which they again can help give you poor relationships. If you don't, you know, if you can't dig yourself out of those holes you've created and you have poor relationships with players, parents, other coaches. Yep. And you make bad decisions when you're frustrated. Yeah. You just make impulsive bad decisions. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Is it worth waiting for those four things? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know <laughs> what? the listeners. <laughs> I, <laughs> the think the big, I think the big thing for me on frustration, just to wrap up on that one, is is also learned behaviour. I think the, the the players start to react or start to behave like the coach, oh, and I think an that's that's point. the worst that's the worst thing for me. Well, all, all of them, isn't it? Let's be honest. I do. Th I think you're dead right. 
often teams mirror their coaches, don't they? Yeah. What you sow is what you reap, right? Exactly. So if you create yeah. that environment, and if you've got these things going on, you can almost guarantee that will be kind of the environment your training session takes place in and the, yeah. the tone of your messages to your parents and the way you speak to the players and then your match day approach and stuff. So all these, it's a, that's a powerful recipe to what yeah. you're going to get out the other end. So just to draw us to a conclusion then, we don't want to just dump these four kind of grenades on people and say good luck with that off you go the question is what do you do about it so if we're going to say okay we kind of until we hear otherwise me and you think that lack of knowledge ego reverse dependency and frustration are four things that you know we should try to dial down as much as possible to allow for hopefully a more pleasant and developmental kind of experience and environment for the players yeah how do we go about that and this is the tricky part isn't it well what what things can we do to try and either ourselves or in the clubs we work in to try and reduce some of that stuff before we start putting some of the good practice we're going to cover in part two. Is that a question for me? Well, I, I've got two <laughs> ideas, but I just, yeah, I, I'm just conscious. I've, I've got a, I've, I can only think of two. It was ridiculous. I didn't give as much time to think about the solutions I did to the problems, but I've got a couple go of on. things. You go first. The first thing I think, and I don't know what other clubs do, but I think it's recruitment. There's this phrase, and I love it, and I think it's a fair phrase. I, I think we're all volunteers in the yep. grassroots space, so we're working for a community grassroots football club just giving up our time for free, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But we're doing it because we want to do it. And I don't think being a volunteer is excuse poor performance, no, especially agree. when working with kids. Yep. So I think we have an obligation to recruit right and actually sometimes say no to coaches or yeah. at least make them aware of our expectations in this particular club that you're at and talk about the things that are problems. Say, look, you know, to be honest with you, we don't, we, we, we're trying to avoid coaches who aren't aware of their ego or don't recognise there might be a lack of knowledge and say it. Now, the coaches may still not be aware, but at least you put a light on it straight away. And that way, when you have to talk about it or have to bring it up in, at some point in the future if you do have to it doesn't come as a shock to them you kind of put your stall out nice and early yeah. and if you've got some alarm bells and some red flags then find somebody else yeah. you're much better off finding a coach that understands children and wants to learn than you are finding a coach that's great with their football knowledge but doesn't get kids to and doesn't want to learn yeah. in yeah. my opinion yeah I, totally, I think the, it's a good point and I think it's not just about the recruitment on day one I think it's then having a process within the club to to kind of keep that communication channel open with the coaches almost like a mentoring type program and i know there's the fa mentoring out there and um some clubs got internal mentoring and things like that um it's having that pro ongoing process right to manage yeah. if situations come up so you keep this you keep the spotlight on it and you can keep yeah it's like a, of support, it a little bit support, support network yeah. for the coaches and i think a good thing like even for our club has have, have done recently they gave the ray power book out to all the new under six coaches yeah. i don't know if that was your idea or is yeah. the chairman's idea you can take i'm gonna i'm gonna take it take I think. it is a good idea it might have been Ben's actually, to be fair. But what <laughs> yeah. we're trying to do in our little club is really work with the newer coaches to get yes. good practice nice and early. Yeah. I don't think coaches deliberately go out there to get things wrong and no. to mess things up. No. I don't believe one coach that is saying, I want to create a bad experience for my players. I don't want to create a negative environment. Yeah. I don't think that for one second. I just think that, that sometimes it's just, it's just awareness. Yeah. And if you can be aware of those four big things and you can then focus on how can you work on those, better for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and as a club, if you've got coaches that aren't aware, then it's your job to kind of say, look, in a positive, constructive way, these are some of the symptoms we've seen, the, the, the joystick coaching, the you know, bad communication, the body language. So where's that coming from? And let's yeah. talk about that. And let's see if we can dial that down because if we can, you're going you're gonna to find this is a much more enjoyable environment and much better um, outcomes in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's a good one. What, so the second one was, and it yes. kind of, so you've got your recruitment, and your, I agree with you, have the things go with it then it's education yeah for me and it's those two things recruit and educate yeah now education is something that's experience 
you know, so just going through the process a little bit with some support. It is about doing the courses, reading the books. It's finding the resources that are going to plug the gaps that will help you kind of be better at what you do. But again, until you're aware of where your shortfalls might be, it's really hard to plug those gaps, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think it's, I think as a club, you've got to do certain things to help your coaches in terms of the education process. Um, but coaches have also got to stand up and, and they've got to go out there and want to learn. They've got to want to go out there and, and speak to other coaches, maybe even get a coach down to kind of review their session or look at their session, give them some feedback, video their session so they, they really get the, that kind of stuff. And maybe as a club, you you could you could have someone, a, a, a volunteer that goes around each age group and videos the, the session for that coach and then and then puts it onto to a dvd if they have is dvd still around or are they gone now i think that was you know, 20 years ago <laughs> no, or a memory yeah. or a memory card or something <laughs> and gives it to them and say, in the right, cloud yeah is that in the cloud <laughs> that's it yeah um that kind of thing right i think that's i yeah. think the club can, can do things but you the, the classic phrase is you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink yep. you need the coach needs to come on board and want to learn and, and i think to me, there's not enough coaches out there that want to do that. And that comes back to recruitment, if you can. So you yep. can tell an open-minded coach, or at least, you know, if you, but even if you just say to the coaches what your expectations are, and if they nod in agreement and want to change their mind later, well, you're in a much stronger position to challenge back because exactly. you kind of got it from the outset. Yeah. But vi there's nothing more powerful than a video. But if you can't video, it's so easy just to put your phone in your pocket, put the voice notes on and press record. Yeah, I agree. You know, and if you want to put a little mic on your thing, it's built into the phones anyway, put it on there and you've got a mic and no one's yeah. even got to know you're doing it. Yeah. And you listen to your session back and how you talk and stuff like that. You're, I think you'll be blown away by that alone. Yeah. But if you listen to the, if you watch a video as well, then that's even, you'd get even more out of that, right? And it's hard to watch yourself back because there's, there's so much in there that you can do better. And yeah. you're like, but what a great way to learn and what a brilliant piece of self-reflection. Totally agree. That hasn't necessarily got to involve anybody if you don't want it to. Yeah, totally agree. One other thing that I was just thinking as, as we were going through actually is I think the two things you've mentioned there were kind of spot on, covers everything. I think one thing that um, coaches can think about is match day and how they deal with the match day situation. And I'm not talking about how they manage their own team in terms of rotation and equal game time. Obviously, that's a that's something that we, we kind of massively believe in. I think it's how you manage the opposition as well. So if you have a coach... The opposition coach is very all about their ego, gets frustrated, all those kind of things, shouts a lot. How can you manage that as a coach, or as an opposition coach? And I think there's things that, that we do quite well. Um, I think, and I'm going to talk about this, I think it's more home games and away games. Away games, you're a little bit in the kind of uh, in the hands of the less opposition. control. I less guess. control, yeah. But I think as home, you've got control, right? And I know there's something you you've implemented that um, I think there's a, a leaflet kind of thing. Sheet that, we send out beforehand. That goes, expectations that gives yeah. expectations of the game, and that's the kind of the kind of ground rules, right? The starting point for opposition coaches. They know that this is what you, you come to Ickenham Youth. You, you, this is what you've yep. got to kind of follow. And then I think. As coaches, we're, we're very kind of open with the coaches, that, that the opposition coach. I think that um, if, if I'm refereeing, then I'm clear around my expectations of that yeah. coach. I do not expect them to be shouting at me. If the parents are shouting at me, I expect you to deal with the, with the, with the coaches, uh, yeah. with the parents, yeah. that kind of thing. So I think there's things that coaches can do to be proactive on match day that kind of helps the uh, environment or helps the kind of... Situ situation if that makes sense and I know it's a little bit off subject it's not kind of 
No, it's a valid but point. It's linked. You're, it's linked. I think it's almost the next phase, isn't it? Yeah. But then you, uh, what you're trying to get out of, if you control some of these these things, and what you're trying to get out of, and what you want to look like after that. And I, I mean, I like the approach we've got. Obviously, because we've taken that approach and. I think we manage our home games really well. It helps when you ref the games 100% yeah. because we just know there's no issues around that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I'll give us penalties all the time. No penalties, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but, it, but, you know, I'd rather have no penalties and everyone be happy. Definitely. Than some, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you, you know that. That's why we do the things yeah, we do. And of course. You, you're fair and stuff. But what I would say is about match day is more of the fact I think it amplifies things. Yes. So I might be a lovely, wonderful coach on a training session, great ego, manage my frustrations, no reverse dependency, all the kids treated equally, and I've got good knowledge of what I'm doing. But you put me in a match day environment, you know, against the local rivals, and, you know, it's 2-2 two, two and 10 seconds to go. You know, you may see a different me. I, yes. don't, I, don't, I don't think you do. I think you would have done a couple of years ago. I think I've yeah. got a lot better. Actually, I, I do. I, you do see a different me. I'm just not as bad as I used to be. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I still, it, it all shifts up. My dials go up a little bit. It, it dials up a little bit more than it should do. You know, or a little yes. bit more than it does at training. And, and why should it be any different? Yeah. It does things mean a little bit more to me, you know, and you kind yeah. of and it shouldn't do. And and I think I'm pretty good, but I've still got I've still got a fair way to go and just controlling my dials enough. Yeah. But what it's helping me is being is, is kind of recognising them what the dials are, or at least what I think some of these dials are. Yeah. Definitely. Does that make some sense? Yes. I think so. It'd be interesting to know if people think we're well off the pace with this. Yes. We've got something completely wrong here. We're missing yeah. out something that's you know that's even bigger than what we said or could sit along with it. Maybe there's five or six. We didn't want to have like 20. Yeah. And it wasn't about focusing on this uh, on the actual symptoms. Which like, what, what's the actual root cause of these things? Yes. Like, and if you can imagine a coach had a great ego, no reverse dependency, managed frustrations really well and had great knowledge about the coaching children and football, I don't know he'd have any problems after that. I don't know where else would be, would be, would be the hole to fill after that. Yeah. And maybe maybe we've missed something. Yes. Well, it'd be interesting if, if, if people have got any feedback or views. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know, right? We're, as always, we're very open to hear them. Yeah, and it's not a blame game. It's not about going, oh, I can picture. Because when you say this and you yeah. start seeing people, you think, oh, a bit like that, aren't they? But I don't think any coach is deliberately out there trying to ruin a young player's enjoyment of playing football. No, agree. Um, it, it's, and it's, this is trying to be a, a, a tool for helping. Yes. rather than to, for, for, for blaming and pointing yeah. fingers. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah, I think it's good. All right. I think we should probably leave it there. You're in charge of part two then, so you've got to find some positives. Yes, it will do. Yeah, will do. is I that can, all right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, well, can no, I can no longer see my notes because it's pitch black. <laughs> so. It's dark, isn't it? And it's yeah. good to get it finished. <laughs> um, well, look, thanks everyone for listening. Please, if you can, follow us on Twitter, and that's at SoccerCoachCast. Please, if you can, um, leave a review on whatever podcast host you're listening to us through. That would be brilliant. Be an honest review with an honest number of stars. We're not asking for five stars or positive feedback. Just just the feedback. Just be constructive, please. And if you can, please share this out to other people that might be interested in listening to us. Uh, we keep hearing people saying, oh, we just found you, we just found you, which is great. But it'd be great if we could hear people say, oh, we've recommended you to listen to it. That would be brilliant as well. Yeah. And just feedback on the episode, generally speaking, any thoughts or ideas. We've had some more cracking emails from a few different people about the stuff they're doing in their clubs. It's great to hear that. And we'll pick those up at certain episodes as, as we come back. Yep. But hopefully you're enjoying the episodes and you're getting something out of it. But whatever, please let us know. Yes. Sound good? Yep, yeah. Perfect. All right, nice one, Mark. Thank have you. A, have a good week. Yeah, you too. Bye, everyone.